Good day, everybody. Jeff Cross here. You at jeffcross22 at gmail.com. You can also follow me on my Facebook page, uh, T and G. That's T as in tenacity, the and symbol, G as in grit. Um, I put all my content up there um, from the podcast that I develop way put those on there and then any kind of uh inspirational things or motivating things i put up there i'm trying to make it the good side of facebook if i could <laughs> so well hey, listen today's guest um has some serious longevity in the officiating world um has great life experiences that i cannot wait to get um his feedback on some of uh um some of his experiences um He's uh, he's been married for 44 years. Got two kids. Um, got a little dog named Sam, which I've seen plenty of pictures of this dog on social media, and he's a flat out stud. Um, retired high school teacher of 35 years. Um, you know, started officiating um, in the Division Three women's basketball 21 years ago. Is also a uh, Division One college softball umpire and also Division Two, and Division Three in softball. Without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mike Steidel. Are you there, Mike? Good morning, Jeff. <laughs> How are you, brother? I'm very good. I'm, it's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Yeah, I'm super excited for it. So, um, for, you know, I, I read just a short thing, you know, a little bio on, on you, but, you know, just for the listeners, you know, what did I miss? Is there anything that was, you know, that, that, that I didn't read in there that I think that you think is important? Not really. No, I'm a pretty simple guy that you pretty much covered it all. Uh, uh, you know, I got into officiating by accident, so that's uh, uh, a good story in itself. Well, let's hear it. I want to hear it. Well, I, after college, I uh, was a uh, assistant basketball coach at the school I, I was working at and uh, I was enjoying that and uh, one night after practice one of the other coaches said uh, would you like to do this sixth grade girls game you know and I said well I have absolutely no experience whatsoever I don't have any equipment and he said well I got a shirt do you have black pants and I said yeah I got th those you got black shoes yeah I got those okay so uh, the next morning um as I was getting dressed, I'm getting dressed at five in the morning and I reach in my closet for my black pants and I put them in the, the bag and everything else. And after school, we get to the game and I find out that my pants were navy blue and that um, <laughs> I forgot to bring uh, my socks along. So I did the, my my first game in, in navy blue uh, pants with a shirt that was probably uh, two times uh, two sizes larger than I did. And I had the Argyle blue socks on for my first game. <laughs> but uh, that's awesome. It, the bug bit me right then and there. And, um, you know, I gave up coaching the, the next year and uh, started to concentrate on officiating. So it, it's once the big, the bug bit me, it, it, it got me. You know, it's interesting you say the bug bit you because, you know, I, I, I often say that too. Once you've been bitten by this bug, I mean, there's just no cure for it sometimes. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I've, talk, I've talked to many, many people that have, you know, they've given up officiating but are still very much in tune 
to, you know, what officials go through and, you know, what they have to do and how difficult to, of, a, of a job it, it, it is and has become. So, you know, the, there is no cure for this bug that when, you, when you get bitten by it. And sometimes I think it even develops into more, just like what you've proven, and, and along with many other officials across the country, you've been bitten by one bug in basketball. And then next thing you know, it parlays into softball or baseball yep. or football or whatever that is. So um, I, I definitely understand that. So, Hey, uh, you know, I would really wondering, you know, so how many years have you been refereeing? So what year was that when you refereed your sixth grade game? Uh, let's go back. That was probably 19, 19- 87 i think 86 87 something like that so yeah so you know what you know obviously you know close to 50 years there right um well yeah 20 some 30 years i guess it would be yeah 30 years don't make me older than i am (laughs) hey listen (laughs) i'm not the one doing that you are man (laughs) um so you know whatever so you know 20 30 years um how would you say it's changed from when you first got into it? Well, the, uh, the accessibility of learning materials has just in, increased exponentially over the years. So when I started, I had to scrape and, and claw and ask. There were no camps, you know, and, and if there were, I didn't know about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, there, there wasn't anybody who could really tell me about officiating other than people that I had met uh, in my earlier years. So uh, the, the access to information, the availability of, of video, all of that has uh, increase the opportunities that people have at younger ages to be involved uh, in this avocation. And uh, if you're not taking advantage of those opportunities, the camps, the videos, uh, the uh, networking with other officials, uh, there's no one to blame but yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think if you are a dedicated person and, and want to be better, there is every opportunity in the world for you to, to do that. And it's just up to you to have the mindset that you want to get better. You want to improve, you want to keep learning. And that's one of the things about a, a officiating at any sport that I like so much is the opportunity to be around like-minded people who want to improve, who want to get better, who share the same thoughts and ideas I do about the philosophies of officiating and just what it takes to be a good official. So, uh, you know, and, and you know this as well as anyone, it, it's the people that keep you in the game and, and it's the, the relationships that, that you make over time that are the, the real hidden gems of uh, being a sports official. Yeah, I almost, um, I, I tell myself when I first got into the game that, you know, I was surprised to see how my relationship with other people grew so, you know, so fondly of, of other people. I just wasn't expecting that part of the game, you know, to be, have such an impact on me. Um, and, you know, it just, just not that we don't, at least I believe, Mike, you know, not that we don't, um have those same bonds in other professions, but I believe it's just different. You know, maybe can you explain some of the differences 
between the bonds you get in officiating and the bonds you get as being a, a school teacher? Well, there are, there are certainly similar factors involved, but uh, as, far, as far as being an a, a official goes, uh, I know people who feel my pain, let's put it that way, who feel my joy. I, I know that they have similar experiences. Uh, they uh, approach the, this avocation in the same way that, that I do. Okay, they, they like I said, they want to get better in, in my other relationships. Uh, they are as far as a, a teacher goes, you know, the relationships with my kids were, were the number one thing. But again, with my faculty members, you know, that's what was Im- important to me also. But there's just not that same. Uh, it's hard for me to describe, and I know you know what I mean, and, and probably many of the listeners know what I mean. There's just not, not that same camaraderie um, uh, outside the world of, of officiating as there uh, is in, in other professions or avocations. Uh, I, I find it totally unique and uh, something that has uh, really enriched my life uh, uh, over the past 30 years. What do you mean by enrich your life? Um, Expand my my best friends uh, as an adult now are people that that I have worked sports with. Okay. Mm -hmm. That I have grown with, that I have seen uh, struggle with the same issues that I have, that uh, have been an ear for me when I was experiencing difficult times and vice versa. I have been an ear for people who have uh, been experiencing those uh, bad games, those bad situations, though that lack of motivation. So uh, I, I like the fact that it's a, a give and take. You know, I know I can help some people, and I know there are people out there that uh, uh, can help me in this avocation. And uh, they're easily accessible. That's what I like. Um, I don't think I've ever had anybody turn me away when I, I needed to talk to someone and w- was there for, for me, whether it be my professional life, my personal life, you know, my officiating life. Um, these are the people that I turn to now when I, I need an ear to listen to or a, uh, just a, a quick pick me up or whatever you want to call it. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. I think um, I think you're spot on too on it, Mike. You know, I, you know, it's the the even if it's via a small text or you know an email or whatever that is, it's it's like at least for me when I get that text or a message or whatever that might be from an official friend, it's you know I, I don't want to exaggerate, but it's almost like my heart skips a beat for a second. You know, yeah. because you know what I mean? Cause it's like, Oh, right. You know what I mean? Cause I'm really interested in, you know, and we, we find, we find joy in other people's success in the officiating world. Yes. And sometimes that doesn't always go into the corporate world. I, f- I feel like it should be in the corporate world, but it doesn't always go into that. But in the officiating world, when someone has some success and, and they notify of that. I mean, it's literally, it just gives me goosebumps to even be part of that situation. So um, go ahead. To, to be able to see someone that, that you mentored as a, an 
a first year official, someone who didn't, you know, know what a, literally didn't know what a basketball was. And now they're working D one and D two. The, the joy associated with that is, is indescribable to see people and, and to know that you have had, you know, just a small, maybe minuscule uh, part of their success is is what you have given them and what maybe they have given back to you is just indescribable you know you talked about these these small texts i'm driving home from from you know we're leaving the game and let's say in in lacrosse or, or whatever a three-hour drive and everybody says now make sure you text me that you got home safe how great is that you know you, you care about people not just officials, you care about people, you know, and you text them. I got home safe. I hope you did. Yeah, I did. You know, great game tonight. Uh, or, or even calling someone on that three hour drive. Hey, I had this situation, you know, and we, we talk about it and, you know, and, and did I do it right? Did I do it wrong? How could I have done it better? You know, those kind of things. Um, I, I believe that as officials, we have open ears and are willing to help. And, and that is just, you know, the, the, the part of officiating that is really in my soul. That's awesome. That's a great, great story. I love that. And um, so I, ha I have a question. One of the questions I was wanting to ask you is obviously, I think most people, you know, get asked this question. And, uh, I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, if I'm putting you in a difficult spot, I apologize. But, you know, if you had to pick, A, which one's your favorite, basketball or softball? Which one would it be? Well, I, I've, I've done – I've had a little – I don't even know if the word success is, is the right term. But I, I've gone to a little higher level in softball than I have in, in basketball. And, mm -hmm. you know, for, for basketball, for me uh, – it has always been my, my, my passion. Okay. And I, I, I have to admit that the older I get, the, the tougher those four and five hour drives are getting for me. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I, but I still have that passion to, to, to say which one I enjoy more now. I, I would have to say I enjoy softball a little bit more than I enjoy basketball right now. Uh, just from the standpoint of, uh, what, what I have done and, and where I have, you know, you know, my goals were that I I've met and not that I haven't met them in, in, uh, in basketball, but uh, softball is just something that as maybe I'm a better softball umpire than I am basketball official. I, I don't know, but uh, mm -hmm. I, I think right now at this stage of my career, I'm enjoying softball a little more than basketball. Well, then I'm going to ask you this. Do you, because that, you know, you've been doing clearly been doing basketball longer than you've been so, doing softball. Yes. Do you believe that some of the the education you got in officiating basketball helped you to be a better softball umpire? Oh, no question. No question. I am a far better basketball official and softball official now at, at this stage of my career than I was even five years ago, 10 years ago, because I've been able to transfer the communication skills of dealing with uh, coaches in you know atypical situations, my communication skills right now I would tell you are probably my 
my best attribute as an official. And you mm -hmm. can use those in, in all situations and just not in, in sports, in, in, in your personal life, in, in your professional life. The, the, you know, I, I know we, we talk about it a lot about being able to communicate. Uh, it has made me a much better umpire. It has made me a much better basketball official because I know how to deal with adversarial situations and, you know, bring them from a 10 to a six or, you know, from a five to a one. And I think my officiating has improved so much because I'm not that concerned about an, an angry official or an angry coach or missing a call. As long as I can explain it to them, as long as I can communicate with them, they might not like the answer, but they know I'm always there to try and communicate and make the best of the situation. I would even argue that being a good communicator you know, do we learn to be a better communicator in officiating, whether it be on the baseball, softball field or the basketball court, makes us a better parent, makes us a better father, you know, makes us a better coworker. You know, when we're good at communicating and we work on that to be good at officiating, that causes us to be a better employee, better, you know, better it's family. It's an all-around skill. Yes, an mm -hmm. all-around skill that is not just uh, confined to the court or the field. It's it it's your life and and how you do things. And I am constantly trying to be a better communicator, both with my wife and my children, and especially with with you know my my coworkers um, all the time. Uh, I, I think that is the the number one thing that has made me better. You know, as far as even my judgment, my rules knowledge, my uh, uh, communication before and after the game, all of those things have gotten better because I, I put some time and effort into trying to be better at them. And that's the key. You got to, you know, you got to work at it. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, I, I call it, we're, we're practicing, we're practicing, you know, no different than a doctor. A doctor is practicing the medical field. We're practicing the communication field on a daily basis. So we're never going to be excellent at it. So um, give me um, some, some, some tools that you use, you know, what do you, how do how do you improve on your communication skills and, and make that a, a better uh, attribute in your game? What, what are you doing? Well, I'm, 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 constantly watching officials uh, and how they communicate both verbally and non-verbally body language with coaches. And, you know, we all have situations where we see, where we hear, you know, we, we might be at a game firsthand watching it. We might see it on TV and we always think, well, geez, that's something, you know, just the way they're standing. Okay. They're not standing toe to toe with, with the uh, coach face to face. They're at the side there. It's a less uh, intimidating uh, kind of situation, but I'm always watching and always trying to say that's something that I can incorporate. And on the other hand, there's things that I always say, boy, I'm never going to do that. Or that's something <laughs> I don't want to do. You know, I, I, it's not working out too well for this person. I don't think, it, you know, I'm going to try that. But the things that I see, uh, you know, successful officials do those little things, you know, and, and 
I know you talked about it earlier, you know, that just that lean in on a coach when they want to ask you a question, I'm here, coach, I, I'm here to listen. Okay. And I, I think that's one of the things that, that I have learned to do better. I'm still not real good at it, but there, I, I believe there's a huge difference between hearing and listening. And I think sometimes we hear, but we don't listen and we hear to respond or sometimes we even listen to respond. We need to listen to listen, okay? And, and that, that coach has to know that they have your ear, okay? That you are, you know, you know, empathetic to them. What a great word, empathy, okay? I get it, coach. I understand, okay? It, it looked ugly from here. I thought it looked ugly from here, but my partner was right there, coach, and, and, he, and he or she's a good official, and I trust them. But if it happened the way you said it did, coach, maybe we missed it, or maybe I missed it, okay? You know, not admitting you got it wrong, but saying, hey, the, the possibility exists. Yep. And I, yeah, I like to use the phrase, you have a, you've made a valid point. You know, yes. you have a valid point on this play, you know, those kinds of things where, mm-hmm, yeah, that's awesome. So let's, let's shift gears for a second and kind of a little bit of, we'll stay in officiating, but I just want to shift gears to, um, and I don't know, I feel like I know the story, but I'm hoping you can help me through a little bit. When was the first time we met? We, you and I, I think met, well, maybe at an Al Rea camp. Did you ever work so for was, Al? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's either at Al or up at uh, Brian Kenny's up in Wisconsin, maybe I was thinking. Um, I know that uh, I, I, I met you. I, I think it was an Al Rea camp, and, and that has mm. to be, you know, 16, 18 years ago. But mm. also you came up one time that Becky, Becky Blank had a camp up in Lakeland. And you mm. came up there, and uh, that's where I th- I think I I got to know Jeff Cross, the the person, not just Jeff Cross. He's you know one of the clinicians here. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I like how you say Jeff Cross, the person, because sometimes uh, my wife doesn't necessarily <laughs> agree that I'm a person. She's like, eh. she expects too much out of me, man. I'm no superman. <laughs> so, um, so I just really was wondering about that. So. Um, so now let's go to softball. What tell us about your because you work division one softball, correct? Yes, I, I, I work primarily division two II and three, but I do work a, a little bit of division one softball. Yes. So, you know, I always think it's a great story. That first division one experience. Oh. Can you walk us through, you know, that that experience, you know, that, you know, maybe, the you know, the email or the phone call that you got for the game. You know, give us give us some highlights of that. And this, maybe is, some this, lowlights. Is a, <laughs> this is a great story. So I get a, a, an email from my assigner that says uh, one official. This is the the Sunday the they usually play uh, on Saturday and Sunday. They play a, a, two games on Saturday and one on Sunday. And I get a, a, an email from the assigner. One of the officials went down. Can, can you possibly fill in? Whoa, yes, I can do that. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very excited, you know. Holy moly. Mm-hmm. So what, what do we got? We said, well, we have uh, UW-Green Bay is going to play Cleveland uh, State, but they're going to play at Alverno uh, College because uh, uh, the, the field was uh, – 
uh, inaccessible at, at UW Green Bay. So, okay, that's a couple blocks from my house. That's even better, right? Mm-hmm. So I get there and I am working with two very established veterans, you know, and they're very good friends of mine. Um, I am in the second or third inning. I am the uh, first base umpire and I am counter rotated, which means I am uh, near second base. Mm-hmm. The girl up is a left-handed hitter and she hits a, a rocket right at me. Okay. I mean, right at me. And it's, weaving in and out and, and going, you know, like almost like a knuckleball. And I zigged when I should have zagged and it, <laughs> it hit me right in, in the knee and took my feet out from under me. Okay. And put me on the ground. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now this is my first division one game. I had <laughs> never, ever been hit by a ball in, in all games I've ever umpired. Never. Mm. <laughs> okay. So it, it hits me in the knee, takes my knees out. I'm, you know, on the ground. Okay. And, uh, you know, Don, Don Baumgartner is one of the other officials. Okay. Right. Oh yeah. Sure. I'm on the ground and I look over at Don and, and he is just laughing. You know, he's all, he's almost bent over with laughter. Okay. He's laughing. I look at my home plate umpire. Uh, He happened to be an African-American man, Henry Sinclair. I don't know if you know Henry, but, uh, Henry has since passed, but, I look at Henry and he's standing right, you know, next to home plate. And all I can see now I'm 10 feet beyond second base. All I can see from Henry are his teeth and he is laughing. all of them. <laughs> They're both just laughing at me, you know, so, but I, you know, I look at Henry and all I can see is his teeth. He's just laughing and Don is bent over laughing. And, you know, I'm thinking, well, here's my D1 debut. Okay. Right. So they come over yeah. and you know, are, are you okay? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. And um, I, and you know, Nicholas Cicero, don't you? Sure. Well, Nick, 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 uh, you know, I called him. I was very excited. You know, he's uh, my high school basketball partner. I said, well, I got this. He said, well, maybe I'll come down and watch. And so he's standing on the top of the hill and I happen to look over and he's laughing, you know? So, <laughs> uh, but I, I wore that, uh, bruise that I got on my knee, you know, uh, if, if you've ever been hit, sometimes you see the uh, seams of the ball on your leg. Sure. I've, I wore that with great pride for about three weeks until that, uh, you know, that bruise went away. But that was my introduction to Division One softball. The first this time I've ever been hit. This is what I picture, you know, you're all juiced up because you're, oh, yes. you know, finally got your first Division One game. And now you're literally laying on your back thinking, what have I got myself into? Here? What is this? What a great <laughs> debut. You know, everybody's laughing and I could, you know, I couldn't help but laugh too. You know, when I'm laying there thinking, oh, brother, you know, this is, this is how it starts, you know, yeah, but uh, awesome. that was my division one debut. That's yep. awesome. That's a great story and a great memory for sure. So. We, we laughed well, after the game. We had a great laugh about it again. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, one of the things you had mentioned to me that you're kind of working towards helping, you know, younger officials and, you know, you feel like that's, you know, one of your responsibilities now is, as being in the game uh, for so long. Um, what are some things that you're doing to help younger officials? Well, uh, when I have the opportunity, let's, let's talk about softball. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, when I have the opportunity, I always try and work with someone who is less experienced 
and less knowledgeable than myself. And, and I've learned over the years that you have to be careful in how you approach helping people. Because some people, unfortunately, don't want to hear it. You know, they they think they got it. You know, everything is is where it's supposed to be. I don't need any help. My mechanic, everything is good. So I, I'm very leery sometimes uh, when I approach someone and say, hey, Jeff, you know, if, if you're interested, I have something for you that might help you. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if they're receptive to that, hey, I, I can do that. If, if I know I'm working with that person, I'm calling them a day or two ahead of time and saying, is there anything you want me to watch for? Is there anything that you're unsure of? Is there anything that we can talk about now so that when we get to the game, you know, I have a little bit of feel about, you know, your experience and, and what you're working on and what you need to, 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 uh, to be better at. So I always try and do that. The same with, with, bat, with basketball, it's a little bit uh, more difficult because of the assigned partners and, and things like that at the collegiate level. But uh, uh, I, I'm taking a uh, responsibility in, in our local association of trying to mentor younger officials. Uh, we, we established a, a camp a couple of years ago uh, called the Bob Basics of Basketball, which, you know, for newer officials, never blown a whistle before, never stepped out on the court before, but want to be involved in this. And, and I'm surprised, and I guess I shouldn't be, at the number of middle-age men who want to get involved in basketball. You know, their, their kids have grown. They've, you know, been a basketball junkie their whole, whole life. You know, their kids are done playing. They want to get involved. And it's refreshing to see people who come in with a, a positive attitude, who are willing to listen, who are willing to learn. You know, not the, and you know, you know all about the yeah butters. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'm not seeing a lot of that uh, right now. I'm seeing people who are, interested in, in trying to uh, better their skills, okay, to become a, a better basketball official. And some of these people have said to me, you know, I have no aspiration of doing high school varsity or anything like that. I just want to do grade school, but I want to be the best grade school official that I can be. Hey, thumbs up, more power to you. We need great officials at all levels. So if your aspiration is just to do your local church league or your local grade school league, but you want to be better, I'm, I'm here for you. You know, I usually hand out my, my business card to, to, at these kind of camps. And if you have any questions, please call me, please, you know, you know, email me, you know, we can talk about things. So I'm, I'm on a consistent basis trying to, to help younger officials get better, not only through my words, but through my actions. A couple questions come up. Bob. So what does Bob stand for again? Basics of basketball officiating. Basics of basketball. And do they have a website or anything? Um, as, as of right now, I do not believe so. Okay. So if they have a question about how to get in contact with Bob, basics of basketball, where can they get a hold of? Can they email you somewhere? Absolutely. Where would yeah, that be? Absolutely. Now, because of the pandemic and everything, there was no Bob camp this summer, you know. Sure, and, sure. And we had uh, we had two years of it, okay, two years of mm-hmm. it. 
So it, it's been kind of, I'm working with, you know, three or four other local officials who that is their passion also is to mm-hmm. introduce the game of officiating to others who are interested. So, uh, but if, if people would email me, I could get you in touch with, uh, you know, the, the person who is in charge and, and get you some information on that. Yes, sir. And where can they email you at, Mike? It's uh, Mike Ref. One word, M-I-K-E-R-E-F at wi.rr.com. Perfect. And then, of course, if you missed that, you can just email me at jeffcross22 at gmail.com. And then I can get you Mike's email address and get you any information on Bob. And I'm assuming that's in the Wisconsin area, correct, Mike? Correct. Southeastern Wisconsin. Yeah, the Milwaukee Milwaukee area, general metro Milwaukee area. Perfect, perfect. All right. And the other question I had is, you know, if we're talking about helping young people and helping, you know, when we say young, you know, we're using this term broadly, newer yes. officials, right? You know, newer yes. officials. How, how, do, how do you think one should go about whether you're experienced, brand new to the game? How does one go about asking, you know, whatever, a Jeff Cross or a Mike Steidel or, a, you know, a veteran official to help them? What do you think the best I way think- to do that is? I think one of the first things we, we have to do is get in contact with uh, a local officials association. All mm-hmm. right. And, you know, there are several in our area and, you know, I, I like the one that I'm involved in, but certainly, uh, you know, other official uh, you know, associations uh, do a great job too. But um, I, I think you have to approach people and I've even been approached, you know, before a high school varsity game sitting in the stands watching the JV game and someone had seen us officiate before and said, are you guys the officials tonight? I would like to get involved in basketball officiating. How do I do that? You know, I give them my card right then and there and, you know, you can call me, you can, you know, contact me however you would wish and we can work something out. But I think the first step is always the hardest, you know, where do I go? Who do I talk to? But after that, if you are working with an association and an official who really cares, I think it gets easier uh, to get in contact. Our association has classes strictly for beginners, you know, first and second year officials who have never blown the whistle, never called a foul, never done anything, but want to become involved. So, you know, I, I think our association does a, an excellent job with that. And I'm sure the other associations do too. I, I am never one to say ours is better than others, but you know, there are, that's your choice to make, but I, th- I think you got to reach out. You, you, you gotta, you know, get the ball rolling, so to speak on your own. And this is the point I'm going to make before we go into the last little segment here. As Mike says, you know, you got to reach out to your local, uh, local association. So, you know, I, I've been involved in officiating from baseball to football, basketball for, you know, 20 plus years also. Well, guess what? I am still very much involved, heavily involved in our association. So yes. the only way for associations to keep on developing and keep on bringing in newer officials is the experienced ones need to hang on and need to stay and stay involved so they can help the younger ones. So when that younger one or newer official shows up to the to the first meeting, they they can count on there's going to be some 
you know, some experienced officials in the room that can help them through whatever situation they might be experiencing. So, you know, we tend to do that. We tend to go, okay, well, I got what I needed. And then they take off, you know, listen, if it wasn't for the association, I'm telling you right now, if it wasn't for my local association, there's a real chance I would be, you know, very minimal experience in the officiating world and, and not near the success I have. And it's because of my local association. So I think we need to invest into it as a, as a veteran officials. And I also believe it needs to be the first place we look when we're newer officials. Well, you know, sometimes I, I, I have talked, uh, talked to some veteran officials who say, you know, really this association doesn't do much for me. You know, I get my games. I don't get my games through the association. And one of the first things I respond with is, is you are there to help the other people. Okay. It's not what the association, uh, what, uh, you get out of the association. It's what you can give back to the association, to, mm-hmm. to your fellow officials that is important right now. And it, it's not, you know, again, I hate to use the phrase, it's not all about you. Okay. It's about you, you know, being able to let someone benefit from your experience and to watch them grow and develop. And, and I said it earlier, there are, there are few feelings in officiating better than watching someone that you have helped get their first regional game, their first sectional game, their first state tournament game, their first college game. It is wonderful. And I, Jeff, I know that, that you know, you are uh, in, in contact with uh, Abby Burmeister. Okay. You know, Abby, sure. Um, mm-hmm. yep. Abby, I was one of the first, clinicians that Abby ever had. And, uh, Mm. I, I knew she had it. Okay. She had all the intrinsic things that officials have and to see her now working division one basketball, to see her working, you know, the NCAA tournament at at division three and two, what a, what a great thing. Uh, I, I just, I get, you know, goosebumps when I I find out that she's uh, been doing those things and there's four or five other officials like that too. Tim Owens is one, you know, uh, has made, you know, they have made their careers, but maybe I had this minuscule little part in helping them. And no matter how small it is, you know, I, I gave them some time. I gave them some, some advice and I, I, I helped them. I helped steer them in the right direction. It's very gratifying. And, and, and you know that too. It, you know, I always, I use the analogy, you know, cause when someone does find some success and, you know, they, you know, maybe they reach out to me and say, Hey, thanks for your help or whatever it is. Listen, I am just giving you the roadmap. You're the one driving the car. You know, you, even though I told you you had to go right, you still had to turn the wheel to go right. You know, you still had to do those things. So, you know, they, in a lot of people like to give thanks for their, you know, to the people who helped them find success, but, you know, it takes a lot of, self-development it i mean it takes if you want to find success in anything you know not just officiating when teaching you know whatever that fireman whatever that is you know if you're just waiting on someone to tell you how to do it there's a real chance you're going to fail real chance you have to take ownership of your own success and find people that will help you in little ways here and there and different people here and there and then different ideas and different concepts to help you elevate whatever it is you're doing. So that's uh, my own little personal rant. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. And, you know, the, the, the thing that, that, that I enjoy is, is when 
an official will contact me and say, Hey, Mike, thanks for that. You know, I, I, I tried, you know, your suggestion and I really liked it. It really worked. And I'm, I'm using that from now on, you know, and I'm putting that in my toolbox and Yahoo. That's, that's, that's what right. it's all about. That's right. I always joke about it. every time someone does that to me, it's like, listen, I got to, you know, I got an app, you know, make sure you donate 99 cents to me or whatever. Every time you use one of my <laughs> crosses, you know, it's 99 cents. So just a joke. So, all right. So before we finish up here, I'm going to ask you three questions. Okay. Three questions that I want you to answer those. And this is always a favorite part of my conversations just because it just gives me an insight on, on where you're at and, and how you look at things. So I think it's, I think the listeners like it and bottom line, I enjoy doing it. So are you ready? Let's go. All right. Question number one, what books are, is Mike Steidel reading nowadays? You know, what's, what's a book recommendation or, or listening to, or whatever that might be. I am a huge fan of Michael Connelly. I don't know if you've ever heard of Michael Connelly. He wrote the, uh, uh, the Bosch series, Harmonious Bosch series. I, I've just okay. uh, started that one. And I'm also a huge fan of Clive Cussler. I don't know if that uh, rings a bell with you, but uh, I'm, right now I'm reading one of his books um, uh, called, what's it called? Inca Gold. It's, it's great mm. historical fiction. Uh, I, I become immersed in it, lost in it. And I, I've, it's not unusual for my wife to come in and find me uh, in, I read before I go to bed at night, mostly. And uh, for her to come in bed and, and I'm asleep and I still got the book in my hand, you know, so I, I'm, mm. I'm reading until I fall asleep. But uh, the the pandemic has asked, you know, I've, I've read, what, six books now in, in the last four months. You know, I, I don't read a lot at one time, maybe a couple, two, three chapters a night, you know, so I'm mm. in no hurry to get it done. But I, I do enjoy reading. I, I just uh, also finished um, the Bruce Springsteen autobiography. I, I read his autobiography, and uh, that was interesting, too. Yeah, if anybody knows anything about you and follows anything on your social media, you are a music junkie. Am I wrong? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. I like music. <laughs> that's awesome. I All love kinds that. of music. Yeah. yeah, that's really, really cool. All right, cool. Question number two. Give me some non-negotiables for you on a daily basis. What is what is something you non-negotiable Monday through Monday that you need to make sure that you do in order to you know what in your daily life you know what are some non-negotiables? I need to do my my morning exercises every day. I need I need to do my morning exercises. And uh, when you say morning when you say morning exercises, what do you mean? Like uh, aerobic workouts okay, or what? Yes. Uh, uh, before the pandemic, I, I went to the gym, you know, Monday through Friday. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I, I have a, a, a per, I go to a personal gym and, and he's kind of a personal trainer. So Monday through Friday, I'm, I'm going to the gym. Since you initiated the uh, 25 pushup challenge, mm -hmm. and do you have any idea when that was, when your first day was? Well, Just off I feel top like if I had to say it'd be sometime in March. March okay, because so, it was still snowing. There was times I didn't snow. So, so I've I've done twenty five push ups every day since the first day you did that. Okay, wow. And then I I, I bumped it up to uh, where I would add uh, twenty five sit ups to it. So I did twenty five mm. push ups, twenty five sit ups, 
And now I bumped it up to John Mariani has a uh, 25 uh, burpee challenge. So I added 25 burpees. Okay. And I also do 25 kettlebell swings. So I do those Mm -hmm. every morning. And uh, then my personal trainer has a YouTube channel that he has recorded some workouts on uh, uh, that I do that. So uh, I do that every day. Okay. And, uh, you know, over the past five years that I've uh, more than that now, because I've been retired 10 years. uh, I have worked out. I am in the best physical shape of of my life. Knock on wood. Okay. Knock on wood. Okay. I have good cardio. I have good strength. I have, I'm working on my flexibility because that is one thing I'm not good at, but uh, Mm -hmm. uh, my physical conditioning is one thing that, that is a given every day for me. Okay. And mm. about the only other thing that is, is, is a given is I walk the dog every day, <laughs> twice a day. Sure, sure. So that brings a question then. How old are you, Mike? I'm 69 years old. So I, I want everyone to stop what they're doing and listen to me for a second. This gentleman, Mike Steidel, 69 years old, does 25 push-ups every day. 25 burpees every day, 25 sit-ups every day, 25 kettle, whatever, swings every day. Mike, I, I, I have to be clear when I say this. What you're doing at 69 is by all means more than 80% of the regular population is doing on a daily basis at, at, at 30 years old or even high school athletes. So, or high school students, I want to encourage you to keep doing that and you will move mountains, brother. Well, you know, there are some days, Jeff, where I feel like I'm, you know, 35 or 40 years old. And there are other mm-hmm. days where I'm every second of 69 years old. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. But, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know when, when I, I get up in the morning, that, that is the first thing. Okay. I, I come up here in our office computer room, my exercise room, whatever you want to call it. And I bang those, those buddies out. And, mm-hmm. you know, then sometimes I'll, I'll do a little more, you know, but mm-hmm. th- that's the minimum. Um, yeah. sometimes you had 500 jump ropes, sometimes you had 300, uh, you know, uh, leg lifts, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, but I'm, I'm trying, you know, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing the best I can. Am I in the, you know, the, the, the best shape I could be probably not, but I'm, I'm not in bad shape at all. And I, and I'm, you know, really working at it and that, that's well, and the I key think, to working at it. That's exactly right. And I think a lot of people get lost you know, I know this conversation has shifted to uh, to conditioning, but a lot of people get lost. They sit at home. They're regular Joes like me and you, right? We're regular people. Yeah. And we see these, you know, extreme athletes on these TV shows. And we think that's the only way we can train. Well, I would argue that that is, is 100% false. They are top, top tier people. All we need to do is do a little something that's going to yep. give us longevity in life. And, and now, you know, I want to be 69 to be able to do those things that you're doing. And then when I, when I turn 69, I'm hoping that I'm talking to someone who's 79 and I want to be able to do the thing they're doing. Yep. So don't get that's lost not- in the fact that, that someone is, has, you know, 4% body fat and they're running around and, you know, climbing walls and doing all that stuff. 
we're that's that's years and years of practice and we are just regular people trying to have some sort of uh, longevity in our life to for the greater good yeah I, I, one thing I do, I do want to mention is uh, I, I really, I took my first really cold shower the other day. You know, I've been oh. dialing it down. I've been dialing it down from uh, hot to warm to mm. lukewarm. And I, uh, the other day, two days ago, I took my first really all cold shower. Woo. <laughs> it's, a, it's something, right? How, how long were you in the actual completely cold? Uh, maybe two minutes or so not not oh, well, that's, yeah yeah that's not good, though, right did, but I'm, did you I'm come out of it dining. feeling did you come out of it feeling different yes you know it, it's more awake more alert you know i i guess and the uh the idea that it it, it is good for your cardio it is good for your heart okay mm-hmm. it is good for blood circulation so i i've uh I'm always looking to adapt things to help me out. And your suggestion mm-hmm. of a cold shower was when I said, well, I'm going to try that, you know, and, uh, Yahoo. <laughs> That's good for you. And I, you know, and ultimately I think what it teaches me more than anything is that I'm way tougher than I think, you know, <laughs> I can, I can put myself through a lot more than, you know, what my brain really wants me to do. You know, because your brain kind of shuts you off, like, oh, no, that looks yeah. too dangerous, you know, puts your defenses up, and like, no, let's not do it, when really it's not that big a deal, you know, and, you know, I, I, ch- I challenge myself in other ways, too, like, you know, whatever, if it's 90 degrees, 95 degrees outside, and I'm outside, I tell myself I'm going to wear a long sleeve shirt, why not? You know, I mean, what's wrong with being a little warm? What's wrong with being a little uncomfortable? I believe that makes us better just better uh, human beings in adapting to our surroundings in, in difficult times, whether they're, you know, whether it's hot, cold, whatever that is, when something really difficult happens, you've done this on a daily, daily, daily uh, uh, practice, you will find success in those difficult situations. So, you know, what, what's the term be comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? That's you right. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I try, I, you know, not everything, but um, I'm, I'm, learning that I can do more things than my mind says I can. Right. You know, yep. uh, if, if, if you push yourself, if you put yourself in the right mindset, it's amazing what, what you can accomplish. And, and I've surprised myself pleasantly uh, on a couple of things. This, this oh, yeah. 25 times four that I do is, is, is really nothing now. You know, and I, I just get in there and bang them out. And, you know, it, it, it takes probably less than, six six minutes to, to get it all done and mm-hmm. but i'm i still got a little bit of a sweat and my cardio is up i can feel my heart pounding and uh, you know now i'm now i'm considering raising it to uh, 30 instead of 25 so we'll see what happens with that that's awesome <laughs> all right last question before we go but but before we do that again give your email out so people can get a hold of you if they want to do that Mike Ref, one word, M I K E R E F, at W I dot R R dot com. Perfect. And you can contact me at jeffcross22 at gmail.com. Last final question What do you want your legacy to be? I'd like people to remember me as someone who was a helper 
someone who cared about other people, someone who did whatever it took to help others. Uh, I, I want to be a helper. I want to be a, a, a difference maker. Uh, I, I, I want to help change and transform people and their lives and their attitudes and their actions. And I, 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 I want to be known as someone who cared. I, I guess that's the bottom line. That's awesome. That is a great legacy to aim for. And I truly believe you are well on your way to doing that. Um, you are inspiring people just like, just if they had stayed long enough to hear what you do physically at 69. And, you know, you know, I, and this is one of the, the phrases I think that we, we've lost track of, right? We, the, the definition of longevity has been, it's, it's lost. You know, if there's yep. people out there now that think longevity is five years at a job, that's not longevity. That's just touching the surface, you know, and you, you've committed yourself to officiating, to teaching, you know, to stay in, in physical conditioning and, and still helping others. That is truly what um, is going to give, you know, put you towards your legacy whenever that day comes. And I, Mike, I cannot thank you enough for spending just a few minutes of your day with me and with others that are listening. I know they will enjoy this podcast, buddy. Well, I, I, I hope we, we can, you know, inspire some people, Jeff, and, and change some people and, and, and help some people. That's the, the, the bottom line. And uh, this was something that I really enjoyed doing. And thank you so much for asking. It's been my pleasure. Um, thank you so much for doing it. And you got through the technical part, you know, uh, just, a, <laughs> Not just, just, uh, just, a, uh, just a short little story before I go, before we disconnect here, you know, everyone, when I sent Mike the, the uh, app that was needed for the podcast, he goes, Oh boy. <laughs> he said, now you're, now you're, now you're really challenged. I think he would have preferred. I just said, I need you to do 25 burpees and take a cold shower. He would have been like, all right, I'm on it. <laughs> uh, so uh, thank, thank you so much. Mike, for part, Go ahead. That, no, the technology part is something that, you know, I'm still working on. I'm still working. Yep. That's all right. That, that happens, man. So, all right, Mike, thank you so much for taking some time. And I hope your day, the rest of your day is nothing short of amazing, brother. And same to you, Jeff. Thank you so much. All right, Mike, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.